we are in between two very difficult, uh, tragic parshiot. And in fact, if you're still connected with Chutzlaretz, you're not in the middle, but you're in the beginning of them. Parshas, Parshas Shlach and Parshas Korach. So last week, here in Eretz Yisrael, we read Parshas Shlach. And it opens with the instructions to send spies to Eretz Yisrael to examine the land, to figure out the best way to conquer it. And the people who went were great people. The Parsha opens, Kulam Anashim. They were all great people, and according to the Medrash, they were listed in order of importance. So Yehoshua and Kalev are not at the top of the list. So these were very big, very important people. And they come back from Eretz Yisrael, from Eretz Canaan, and they give a report. And the report was 100% correct. And somehow or other, this turned into the greatest tragedy of Chal Yisrael. The fact that when the spies came back, they convinced the people that they don't want to go into Eretz Yisrael. It's not a good thing to go into Eretz Yisrael. And it led to the biggest tragedy, which was the forerunner of Tisha B'Av. What went wrong? What did they do? So, according to many of the commentaries, according to the Bali Machshava, they reported correctly. It's a land, it's full of, it's, it's, it's a luscious land, right? It's, it's a fortified land. Gamzavat Chalavudvash, Zepirya. But then they added, says the Ramban, Efeski We can't do this. What was their problem? So Rav Dessler has a long section on it. Others talk about it also. The existence that they had encountered for the last year plus was an existence of pure spirituality, miracles, food, water, clothes, everything taken care of. The only thing they had to do was connect to God, study the Torah, be involved in spiritual activity. And now they're being sent into Eretz Yisrael, where they're going to have to plow and plant and fight wars. And this is not spiritual existence. This is not what we want. We want to stay in the desert. We want to be surrounded by God's aura and miraculous existence. They didn't want to have to work the land, reproduct, reproduce. They want that fully spiritual, miraculous existence. That sounds like a good thing. But Yoshua and Kalev respond with a word. The word tov always means it's aligned with purpose. If God wants, He's going to bring us into that land. 
and we will succeed. Ach Bashem Altim Rodu, don't rebel against God and don't be afraid. And then there's an important phrase. Kilachmenu Haim. Literally, there are sustenance. What does it mean there are sustenance? God wants us to transform our Avodas Hashem from serving Him in a miraculous existence to serving Him through a natural, physical existence. This is our sustenance. This is how we will serve God in a way that nourishes us the way God wants us to be nourished. Involvement in the physical world. It's not what you would think. Lahavdil Christianity has that the highest spiritual level is a complete disconnect from the physical world. And Judaism says, no, you're going to serve God in Eretz Yisrael, where there's potential Kedusha, but you have to work to see the Kedusha in the physical. This is how HaKadosh Baruch wants us to serve Him. And the problem that the Miraglim had is, they wanted to do it their way. And we have to be very, very careful about that. So many people want to figure out themselves how they want, how they should be serving God. And what they fail to do is tune in to what God wants you to do. And how do we know the answer, the answer to the question, what does God want? We have to look in the Torah. Right? The Maral writes in the introduction to Pirkei Ovos that man is not endowed with the ability to figure out himself how to get close to God. The only way we know how to get close to God is revelation. And the revelation at the time was go into Eretz Yisrael with all of the physical and materialistic requirements and that's how God wants you to serve Him. He doesn't want you to be engrossed, entrenched in the material. You've got to be able to use the physical and see God in it, in the agriculture and in the wars and bring out the spirituality. This was the terrible mistake of the Miragli. Now we come to Korach. Another tragic story. But it's a little hard to understand exactly what Korach's problem was. Yes, we could say that he was jealous of Moshe and Aaron, and he wanted uh, God, right? He wanted Kahuna, and why if, why if Moshe is the leader, does Aaron get to be the Kohen? The problem with taking that on a superficial level is that you're turning Korach into a jerk. He saw the miracles. He saw Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. He saw Kriyas Yamsuf. He saw divine revelation. Did he think that Moshe made up the fact that Aaron is going to be the Kohen? And it seems on the surface that Korach's beef, Korach's machlokes, was a machlokes with Moshe. The paradigm for a machloket l'shem shalom l'shem shamayim in Pirkei Avos. The paradigm for machloket l'shem shamayim Hillel and Shamay. The paradigm of a machloket shalom l'shem shamayim is Korach va'adato, but it doesn't mention the opponent. 
Who was the opponent in Korach's Machlokesh Shalol L'Shem Shamayim? We like to think it was Moshe. That's a mistake. We see it's a mistake from a Pesach later on in Bamidbar when the daughters of Tzlovchad are introducing themselves and they are saying that their father died in the desert. They wanted to point out no, I'm sorry. It wasn't there. It was when, when, when the, when the um, lineage is being mentioned of all of the descendants, Ruven, Shimon. So it says that the Mishpachot Uveni was Dasan Va'aviram and they were the members of the group Asher Hitsu Al Moshe Ve'al Aharon Be'hatsosam Al Hashem. They fought with Moshe and Aaron, but really... They were fighting with HaKadosh Baruch And that's the Machloket Shalol L'Shem Shamayim is not just that you have ulterior motives, but that Shalol L'Shem Shamayim means you're arguing on God. What kind of an argument on God did they have? So we go back now to the beginning of the Parsha and listen carefully to the complaint that Korah has. Rav Lachem, you have a lot. Kikol ha'eda kulam kedoshim. The entire Jewish people, they are all holy. Uvetocham Hashem, God is with everybody. Umadua titnasu al kahal Hashem. Why are you elevating yourself above all the people? And the Medrash. And the Sifrei Kabbalah say, you know what they were arguing about? They were arguing for discri- against discrimination. They were arguing for egalitarianism. Ki kol kulam Everybody has equal holiness. Why do we need a Kohen to be the vehicle through which we connect with God? We can all do it the same. We're all the same. So, where do we see that this is so fundamentally problematic? Nowadays, equality is a good thing. Egalitarianism has been turned into a good thing. Um, But what they were really arguing, says the Sifre Kabbalah, is the structure by which the world exists. When HaKadosh Boku created the world, so it talks about Breshit Barai Elokim et HaShamayim ve'et HaAretz. And then later it says, Zachar u'nekeva bara'otam. Say the Sifrei Kabbalah, the Zachar u'nekeva paradigm is not a gender issue, it's a, it's a role issue. Mashpia mekabel. The structure of the world is such that there is a bestower and a recipient. God is a bestower, the world is a recipient. The heavens are bestowers, the earth is a recipient. The idea of mashpia mekabel creates a unity. It's the antithesis of everybody being independent. Because if there's no mashpia mekabel, if I'm not a recipient from you, and I'm not a bestower to you, then there's no connection between us. 
Korach was arguing for that. Korach was arguing for complete independence of every person. We don't need Kohanim because we're all Kohanim. We don't need people to be recipients because we're all independent. And this is a challenge to the fundamental paradigm by which God, through which God created the world. There's another aspect which is hidden away, but the Nitziv brings it out in Korach. There were really two groups. There was Korach, Dasan, Va'aviram, and then there were the 250 people. And if you look carefully, and the Nitziv analyzes it by, with, the, with, the, with the, the psukim, the way he always does, is that the 250 people, they had a different agenda. They simply wanted the opportunity to bring Ketores. They wanted the opportunity to bring Korban. And according to the Nitziv, they knew they were going to die. But they just wanted to do it. They thought, this is how we're going to get close to God. We come back to the same problem that we found by the Miragli. They wanted to decide how they're going to serve God. They wanted to decide how they're going to connect. How they're going to be Oved Hashem. The lesson from both the Miraglim and from Korach and the tragic results are the idea that we can't decide how we think the system should run. We can't decide how we want to be Oved Hashem. We have to listen to Hashem and listen to how He wants us to serve Him. What are the challenges He's giving us? And in the desert before, in the first year of the desert, the challenge was to be surrounded by miracles. And the challenge to go into Eretz Yisrael was exactly the opposite. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted that transformation. And the Miraglim didn't want it. They wanted to serve God their way, not His way. Korach, he wanted egalitarianism. He wanted everybody to be able to do the same thing. And that's not how HaKadosh Baruch Hu set up the world. This idea of Mashpia Mekabel. So, it's fundamental on every level. It's fundamental in our interpersonal relations. It's, a fun, it's fundamental in our roles. The Kohen, he is, the, he is the, called the Tsinor. He is the pipeline for certain influence to come down through the Beis HaMikdash. The study of Torah is a pipeline by where we draw down influence. We want to know, it was raised before, why are we learning Torah? What's the purpose of learning Torah? Torah is the pipeline. When you learn Torah, that's the pipeline to connect to God. That's how God set up the system. But there's a very interesting thing about the study of Torah. And here's where Mashpia Mechabel comes into play even more intensely. See, Torah, we've met, Torah is a 24-7 activity. The Higitabo Yomam Valayla, 24-7. That's impossible. It's impossible for somebody to be learning Torah 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. But that's the mitzvah. 
So that opens the door for what we can call partnership. We'll start with a personal partnership. If you're supposed to be learning Torah, and learning Torah really means to teach Torah. We talk about learning Torah, it doesn't mean studying Torah. You're not studying Torah like you study chemistry. The mitzvah is to teach Torah. But the first person to whom you have to teach Torah is yourself. So when you're sitting there with your harusa, you're teaching yourself Torah, you're teaching him Torah, he's teaching you Torah. And that can't happen 24-7. No person can do that 24-7. So when you go to sleep at night, and when you eat a meal, and when you exercise, so that you can learn Torah better, those activities are being mashpia on your ability to learn Torah. So that becomes an internal partnership. That in reality, if every activity that you're involved in is somehow or other focused on either teaching Torah or behaving Torah, because part of the teaching of Torah, the promulgation of Torah, is to behave Torah. When you put on tefillin, what you're really doing is you are revealing Torah in the world. When you study a tosvos, now you now more Torah has been revealed in the world. And when you put on tefillin or you make Kiddush on Shabbos, more Torah has been revealed in the world because you behaved Torah. So every activity now can be connected somehow or other to revealing Torah. Whether you're studying it, whether you're behaving it, whether you are providing the resources for your body to be able to do it, all of that now comes under the rubric of Limut Torah, of Higisha Bo Yom That opens the door for the unique partnership that exists between Yisachar and Zvulun. The fact that Yisachar can be in the base medrash studying, Zvulun can be out on his ships doing a parnasa. And we have Smach Zvulun B'Tseitecha V'Yisachar Ba'ohalecha. Zvulun is out there providing the resources for Yisachar and they're, par- and they're partners. And Yisachar and Zvulun are partners means they share in the resources. We mentioned this Gemara when we had a guest speaker a few weeks ago where the Gemara quotes Rabbi Yossi Bar Abid and Rabbi Yechanan a person who provides sustenance, he does business, or he gives money to a Talmud Chacham. Matil Kis really means that he gives him money to do business so that he can support himself, or he gives him the support. So that person is... Yoshev b'yeshiva shalmala. He's going to be sitting up there. Ki betzel chachma betzel kesef. In the shadow of wisdom of Torah, the shadow of money. There's a comparison. And we mentioned at the time, it bears repeating, Those of, not everybody was here at the time, that you heard you can't take it with you. All these multimillionaires and billionaires when they die, they can't take it with them. They go to the next world, they don't go with their money. The only thing they go with is their Torah and mitzvot. That's what you go into the next world with. This Gemara tells you how you can also take your money with you. But it's not by keeping it in the bank or in a stock portfolio. The money, it says here, that's used to support Talmidei Chachamim. When you get upstairs, you're taking money with you because the money was transformed into something spiritual. The money was transformed into Torah. 
This is the unique. This is how unique limud Torah is. That we have a concept of tomchei Torah. Eitz chayim hila machazikim ba. That refers to the Torah. It's a tree, and the fact that it's connected to roots and it produces. That's also a requirement of, by the way, of mashpia mikabel. The earth is a mashpia. The tree is a makabit. It's, re- it's receiving those nutrients from the earth. But then it doesn't just hold those nutrients inside the trunk of the tree. It's now mashpia them to the branches which receives it and mashpia them to the leaves which is mashpia the carbon dioxide that it takes in and oxygen and it creates fruit. The whole tree is a is a paradigm, a complex paradigm of mashpia mekabel. That's Torah. It produces fruit. It's back and forth. Those who support it are meushar. Don't make a mistake and translate meushar in the way it was it was uh, distorted in modern Hebrew. Meushar does not mean happy. That's not the meaning of the word. Meushar means validated. Meushar means praiseworthy means stable. So the supporters of Torah are equated with the Eitz Chayim Hila Machazikim Ba Meushar. The supporters. This is the Mashpia Mekabel paradigm that exists in Limut Torah on a communal level. So on a personal level, your Mashpia Mekabel is what you do to enable yourself to learn Torah and to behave Torah. On a communal level, it's the people who are there supporting the Torah in order that other people can learn the Torah. This is the bilateral nature of Limud Torah. It's a unique thing in the mitzvos because you can't be a partner with somebody to put on tefillin. You you got it. You were very late in in the uh, uh, to bed last night. You're really going to have trouble getting up for davening. So you want to pay somebody fifteen dollars to put on tefillin for you. Doesn't work. I hope you guys realize. Right. you got to do it yourself. But in Limut Torah, there is the idea of being a partner with the person studying Torah by supporting it. This is Mashpia Mekabel, this is what Korach didn't want. Kulam Kedoshim, everybody is the same. Everybody should be doing it by themselves. There should be no interdependence. And that's a violation of the whole structure of our Kodesh Boch who created the world. So again, it's Korach, and unfortunately, we have this creeping into our politics today. Right? We want to decide how the world is supposed to run. We're going to decide what's equitable, what's fair. Says Korach, it's not fair. And this is what it means when it says, Sotam al Hashem. Well, Korach wasn't arguing on Moshe. Korach knew that Moshe and Aaron were appointed by God. So what was Korach's beef? God is not fair. God is not treating everybody equally. Why are there hierarchies? Why are there strata? It's not fair. So the minute you think that God isn't fair, you're not serving God the way God wants you to serve Him. And you're not reflecting the way God created the world. So the two lessons that we get out of, the the common denominator of what we get out of Korach and the Miraglim is that we have to be attuned to how God wants us to serve Him, how God created the world. 
Now we'll transition into the paid political announcement. Monday and Tuesday is going to be a great opportunity for you guys to become both mashpiyim and mekablim. You're mekablim. You are recipients all year. You're recipients of Torah. You're recipients of attention. You're recipients of good food. You're recipients of a pretty comfortable dormitory. That's mekablim. How are you going to be mashpiyah? So in the future you'll be mashpiyah because you'll build a family and you'll build a community and you'll contribute and you will hopefully be supporters of Torah. But on Monday and Tuesday you have the ability to get other people to be matil kis matil letoch kis shel talmid chacham. There's a concept of godol hamease yoter min haose. We do mitzvos. But it says that somebody who gets other people to do the mitzvot, it's especially referring to tzedakah, that, that phrase is used in tzedakah, kol ha-maaseh, gorol ha-maaseh, yoter min ha-oseh, means one who gets others to do it, they're greater than the person who actually gives. And why? Why? I mean, why? Are, I got a guy to give a thousand dollars, I get more reward than the guy who gave the thousand dollars, so say... The Bale Machshava, one of the reasons is because the guy who gives a thousand dollars gets the glory. The fundraisers never get the glory. The donors get the glory. And therefore, you do you you're responsible for him giving a thousand dollars and you get no glory. That's why you're greater. Your sakhar, your reward is greater. So next week you guys will have an opportunity to be me'ase. You're going to be able to motivate and get other people to give. And that's going to be partnership. It's going to be you being a mashpia. Here's your opportunity to be mashpim. And give them the opportunity to fulfill the matil letoch kis shel talmid chacham. And then we come, of course, to the last thing, which I think Rabbi Schoonmaker has been mentioning after Mincha more than once. It's called hakaratatov, Appreciation. The Bali Musr say in a one-liner, Hakarat Hatov, Ze Kol Ha'adam. You want to know the person, you want to know how much appreciation he has for what he gets. And that defines the person. So one of the ways you will be able to, and I'm sure you want to express your appreciation to the yeshiva and to all of the Torah that you've been getting and to all of the people that have been supporting you till now, because the yeshiva functions on what you guys are going to be doing on Monday and Tuesday. So that's your way of expressing hakaratatov, ze kol ha'adam. That that really defines the person. How much appreciation? What's the, what's, the, what's the opposite? Why would a person not want to appreciate? I did you a favor. Why don't you want to appreciate? It's from, a, it's from an attitude of, I deserve it. One of the other problems that exists today in, out, in the outside world, the victim mentality or the entitlement mentality. The minute you have an entitlement mentality, there's no such thing as appreciation because whatever I get, I deserve. And we have a different attitude. We have an attitude that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives you much more than you deserve. And people do for you altruistically and you can't say you deserve it. You have to say, no, I'm a beneficiary. I am now a makabel. And as a makabel, you have to express appreciation. So that as Rav Dessler said, in order not to be a selfish taker, 
when you receive something from somebody, the minimum you can give back so that you're not a pure taker, says Rav Dessler, the minimum you give back is appreciation. That shows that you're not an egocentric taker, but that you realize that there's a paradigm of mashpia mekabel. So the lessons from Korach and, and, and Shlach are that we have to know how Kodesh Baruch Hu set up the world and make sure we're serving him aligned with how he set up the world. And one of the ways he set up the world is that Torah is a partnership. It's a partnership between the people within yourself. The time you spend learning Torah and the time you spend preparing and enabling yourself to learn Torah. And it's a partnership between every member of Klal Yisrael where somebody's either learning Torah or supporting Torah. This is the unique connection and the opportunity for the support of Torah and your involvement in that. All year you're learning Torah. On Monday and Tuesday you're going to have the opportunity to be involved in supporting Torah.